Hello, and welcome to another edition of Forrester CX Cast. Each week, we speak with an analyst from the customer experience team about their research or discuss a customer experience topic in the news. My name is Deanna Laufer, along with my co-host Sam Stern. You'll hear our voice each week. Hello, and welcome to another episode of CX Cast. I'm your co-host, Deanna Laufer, along with my co-host, Sam Stern. Hey, hello. And today we are joined in the studio, I think this is your second appearance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, by Anjali Lai. She is an analyst on our data insights team at Forrester. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Of course. Anjali has written some pretty popular research recently that I have seen pop up everywhere. And you spoke <laughs> about it at Age of the Customer Conference recently. So we're glad that you could come here and talk about it with us. One of the reports that came out of this research is called The Rise of the Empowered Customer. So maybe we could back up and you could tell us a little bit about what sparked this research and why you're tackling it now. Sure, absolutely. So at Forrester, of course, we've been talking about the age of the customer for several years now, and we have been talking about how empowered customers operate with rising expectations and new Mm. demands that are changing or sort of shaping business strategy. And so the motivation for this research was really to dig into that. And of course, being on the data team, we have over you know, two decades of trended customer behavioral data mm-hmm. and more recently have introduced multiple methodologies like qualitative, behavioral, social listening. So um, we were able to apply this multimodal approach to really understand how are expectations rising and why? What do we really mean by that? It's a timely research project or sort of research stream for us because, you know, we're living at a time when demands are rising because of recent innovations. So companies like, of course, Google, Amazon, Airbnb are setting new standards for customer experience and giving customers a whole new understanding of what, you know, speed means and convenience and brand relationship. And so regardless of what industry you're in, we say you're competing with companies, you know, like the Googles and Amazons of the world. And as a result, demanding customers are sort of churning faster or, you know, churn rates are on the rise and individuals are finding it easier to vote with their feet, so to speak. And so we wanted to understand, you know, why is that the case and how do people make those decisions? Because, you know, historical behavior and demographics and even life stage aren't necessarily predictive of future behavior. And so the goal for this research was to focus on things like motivation and appetite for innovation and try to understand what the nature and rate of rising customer demands are. Yeah, I think that's really important research to have because I myself, I'll I'll just implicate myself here, but I would imagine a few colleagues could say this too, are guilty of saying rising consumer expectations and then leaving it at that. And the research here really tries, the data tries to tease out, well, what is rising? What are they adopting? What are they doing more of? And to your point, what are they, you know, cycling out of really quickly, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's sort of the, the churn that can be really dangerous or hard for companies to, to get a handle on that's important. So it's great to have that deeper understanding. Mm-hmm. And I think that suggests naturally the next question, which is, mm-hmm. you know, what are, what it, what's in the empowered customer segmentation? Mm-hmm. What goes into it? Yeah, so over the years that we were really doing the background research, it became clear that, you know, data can prove that customers 
are changing rapidly, yep. are becoming empowered, but the ways in which that's happening uh, is not entirely random. Um, mm-hmm. So the data proves that five key dimensions of customer change are most important and predictive when understanding how customers are becoming empowered. So the five dimensions of change are willingness to experiment. So Data proves, for example, that customers are more comfortable with seeing marketplace innovations and adopting new products and Mm. entering into new experiences. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second major change was device usage. So, you know, we don't have to look too far to know that people are (laughs) increasingly relying on devices to accomplish everyday tasks. And the data proves that that's growing exponentially. The third key change is the need for digital and physical integration. So because people are conditioned to use devices to interact with their physical environment, the two sort of digital and physical realms aren't necessarily considered separate in the mind of the customer. So there's a a need for digital seamlessness. The fourth is information savviness. So, you know, with constant streams of information at our fingertips, people, I think the stat is consume like five times more content, you know, than they did 30 years ago. But along with that, customers are developing the skills to navigate that information and actually seek out valuable pieces of content to make decisions. And then the fifth key predictive dimension is self-efficacy. So data proves that customers are driven to seek out personalized, enriching, emotionally satisfying experiences and are more willing than ever to forsake current brand relationships in pursuit of that. So the empowered customer segmentation basically quantifies the rate of evolution across these five key dimensions. Okay. And it yields five unique profiles. So five dimensions, (laughs) five profiles. Exactly. So let me just underline the five dimensions before we move on to the profiles, just to see if I captured it. And then maybe that's if our listeners have captured it. So there's willingness to experiment, right? So the the adoption curves are are steeper for new innovations, new technologies, the digital physical integration piece, right? You walk into a store with your phone, you expect there to be some added benefits or features of having that phone in the store. Device usage is the fact that you have that phone, right? People are using devices more and more for more and more uh, tasks. Information savviness. I was struck by that stat when I read your report Mm -hmm. that really jumped out at me five times the information diet from 30 years ago for the average adult, which is just, it actually makes sense when you think about our consumption habits, but it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing to think about 5X of anything. And then self-efficacy, the interest in sort of being an individual, having that represented in our brands, our relationships, maybe if you want to cast that in a negative light, it's selfie culture sort of, but mm-hmm. it's really that we have more of a strong self-identity. Is that mm-hmm. a fair summary of the five? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. And so then those filter down into five segments. Right. And so the five segments that really make up the segmentation can be used as a lens to understand customers' appetite for innovation, as I mentioned, and then to anticipate, as I said, the nature and rate of their rising demand. So, for example, one of the segments is called the progressive pioneers. So anyone who falls into this group essentially scores highest across all five dimensions, right? So they Hmm. are most willing to experiment, um, most reliant on devices to accomplish everyday tasks. They have the highest demands for digital seamlessness. They're smart when uh, navigating information to make decisions. 
and they are deeply motivated to seek out brands that sort of validate their existence, I guess, or really make them feel... Uh, valued. Um, and so these individuals are an extremely valuable group. They tend to have the highest incomes and, and hmm. highest purchase power. They are more likely to reward companies for you know innovation, um, but then they're also quickest to uh, to churn when a better alternative comes along. Hmm. So Fickle. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And the second group is called the savvy seekers, and those individuals also score high. They're evolving quickly along all dimensions, but they're particularly smart when consuming and sharing information. So they are sort of the information junkies. They mm. read, you know, privacy policies. They follow company news very closely and they'll seek out, you know, specific details on maybe niche platforms mm. in order to make their decisions. So they're very much in the know. One of the key ways to sort of pull that customer segment into a brand's ecosystem, for example, is to really convince these individuals that a brand is the best possible option for them, given all of their choices. So it's kind of feeding mm. that need for, for information. <laughs> um, and then that's, you know, very different from the convenience conformer segment, which is the third group, which has the highest demands for digital tools and services, but don't put as much effort into reading and know, navigating the information and aren't necessarily motivated by novelty. So they're, you know, not quite as strong when it comes to willingness to experiment or, or self-efficacy. So these people are really drawn by experiences that use digital to simplify their lives. Mm-hmm. So anything that's really, you know, easy to use that doesn't have a high, you know, a steep adoption curve or is considered complex. But they're also actually the second most valuable group, if you think of them, in terms of spending power. Hmm. It's an interesting segment in comparison with the first two. And and second, they're second to which segment? Um, progressive pioneers. Okay. In terms of Apple. Most valuable. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think of my parents sort of in there where they have a phone, they have a tablet because they like the convenience of it, but they're like not savvy enough to sit there and compare products across different sites or. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And they don't necessarily want to. Like that's right. not what gives them that sense of satisfaction, whereas it does for the first two groups. So the last two groups are called settled survivors and then reserved resistors. <laughs> so those two, as the name uh, implies, are you know evolving very slowly or in the case of reserved resistors, really not evolving at all along any of the dimensions. So they are far more averse to change and you know to innovation. And if they are adopting new products or services or experiences, it's really a reflection of you know adaptation. It's because they have to, mm. as opposed to being a, a front runner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Diana called progressive pioneers fickle. <laughs> Could maybe say the savvy seekers are, are nerds, right? Um, <laughs> the convenience conformers are lazy. <laughs> the settled survivors, I was thinking maybe skeptics, and the reserved resistors are stubborn. Mm. I don't know. We can maybe come up with a more negative yeah. word for the settled survivors, but we can mm-hmm. think about that as, as we continue our conversation. <laughs> so those are good names and sort of get the general sense of that. What, do you, what, do, what does a company do with this, though? I mean, how do you, do you sort of look first at your own consumers or who you'd want your consumers to be? Mm-hmm. How do you think about this for a company? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a, that's a great way to start. And it's incredibly revealing, actually, to cross the segmentation with a company's customer base mm. or even a company's custom segments, right, to understand yep. how their consumers fall out across these different groups and how they think about the pace of innovation or like the innovation timeline mm-hmm. and what types of experiences or services or even products they're 
prioritizing, you know, and kind of mapping that back to the distinct motivations of each segment. So it can be used as a diagnostic tool to sort of understand, you know, how rapidly a customer base is is likely to change and which segments are really going to fuel that. But it's also anticipatory in that it's identifying, you know, which groups of customers will reward a brand for innovation versus which ones will leave first. Mm. So which are sort of the free agents, so to speak, and and the customers that are, you know, maybe less loyal or uh, more kind of distracted by competitors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And maybe who you need to market your innovations to, Mm because who's actually going to go out and buy that new device or the Apple Watch. And how. So what even, (laughs) I think it has message, you know, implications for what messages resonate. And even from a marketing standpoint, you know, how you pull these people into your ecosystem. Is it really by playing up the convenience factor or by resonating with the novelty factor um, and what the associated risk and reward is with that. So beyond just applying directly the segmentation, what other lessons or implications can people get out of this research? So I think some of the interesting points that are kind of illuminated by Mm -hmm. the segmentation in this research are that first, customers are becoming empowered, but in very different ways. So, you know, we purposely didn't call a certain segment empowered versus not because we realize that there's really a progression. And so, you know, the convenience conformers are quote unquote empowered in the sense that they are incredibly savvy with using digital tools and they can really get access to the products and services they need from any corner of the world, right? Maybe mm-hmm. for the cheapest prices. But the savvy seekers are empowered in that they are, you know, harnessing the power of information to seek out emerging companies or products and, and experiences. And so there is somewhat of a progression in that customers are moving from the low, like the subtle survivors and reserved resistor groups mm-hmm. into the first three more empowered groups, mm-hmm. but you know it's not necessarily a linear trend. So hmm. I think you know it's interesting to think about how your customers can be empowered, but in many different ways. And then another key point that is critical that you know sort of surprised me actually in the research is that the most empowered customers aren't necessarily the typical millennial, um, mm. because I think one of the biggest findings is that age is not predictive of empowerment, right? It's empowerment is more a function of mindset or motivation. So the average age for the progressive pioneers and savvy seekers, for example, in the U.S. is 37 years old. Oh, interesting. Actually, and I think it's like 18% of customers who are 55 and older fall into those first two groups as well. So nearly a fifth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that was also a revealing insight yeah. Uh, yeah. to me where, you know, you really have to look at your customers in a different way. You can't rely on things like demographics and, and you, you can't say this doesn't apply to us because we don't have young customers yeah, or something. Exactly. Right. And that really points to sort of the failings with typical customer segmentations that aren't built yeah. on demographics and not built on behaviors or motivations. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I was um, we did a cut for a sort of continuing education segmentation. So looking at, uh, you know, for an, an exec MBA program, looking for people with executive titles. And to your point, Anjali, they wildly oversampled on progressive pioneers mm. and savvy seekers. And, you know, quick back of the envelope math for me, if you're in a VP, SVP or above title, you've got to have a little bit of age. I mean, mm. unless you work at a bank, I guess, but, but most of them had to, you know, progress through a career and, and have 10, 20 years experience to get that kind of title. So they are probably aren't millennials that are at least a little bit older. Exactly. I was struck by what you said that we're seeing more people move into the top half of the distribution, I guess, the savvy seekers and progressive pioneers. Mm -hmm. I'm asking you to project forward here. Do you expect Mm -hmm. that trend to continue or do you think more people are moving in that direction or do you think that will level out at some point? 
I do expect the trend to continue. The data has already proven that, you know, between 2015 and 2016, for example, those first three groups have grown and the, you know, latter two, the shuttle survivors and reserve resistors have shrunk. Yeah. But, you know, in terms of the rate of growth, that's something that we're looking into right now, right? And, and yep. trying to kind of extrapolate to, to the mm. future and, and understand um, not only how quickly people will move in between different segments, but um, if there's some sort of pattern in how they move. Because as I said, it's not necessarily linear. So people don't go from, you know, convenience conformers to savvy seekers. They might right. jump. Or, right. So we know huh. generally the direction in which they're moving. And, and, you know, we are trying to understand the implications of that. But I think that, you know, the next kind of big focus for the research will be understanding drivers of movement between segments and rate or kind of speed of movement and even how, um, you know, brands can uh, play a role in um, accelerating customers on this journey, you know, towards greater empowerment. And thoroughly unscientific question here, where do you think you fit in, Anjali, into this, uh, <laughs> to the segmentation? So full disclosure, I have not taken the survey myself, but I am <laughs> extremely tempted to do so. Really, it's hard to say. I like to think I'm a progressive pioneer, um, mm. but I think, you know, we probably fall into like the convenience conformer category more mm-hmm. often <laughs> than I'd like to, to admit. Um, but I think I'm going to have to take a self-diagnostic to figure that out. I think that should be an upcoming report is the self-diagnostic quick <laughs> yeah. test for people. Yeah. Well, and that's a good point because actually, you know, this research was done in a in a consumer you know behavior context, but it's really at the end of the day about human behavior, right? Mm. Not just customer behavior. So I think that hmm. the model absolutely applies to buyers and and users as much as business partners and um, and even employees. And so I think hmm. that it's possible to kind of turn the segmentation, you know, onto like ourselves as an organization yeah. and 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 figure that out. So I think you know I foresee that being a topic of research as well in the future. Yeah, it could totally speak to the type of technology you provide your employees and what they're expecting. Exactly. So what's next for this research? In the immediate term this year, we are just digging into the segments a little bit more to really uh, flesh out the profiles of of the different groups. And we're crossing this research with some of the other frameworks that have come out of the data team. So we have like a new privacy segmentation that's Hmm. just about to launch. So we're going to work on a report on that this quarter. but then, you know, for, for next year and, and really continuing, I foresee this being a larger narrative where, again, we're looking at things like how people are moving in between segments, how quickly that's happening, and how customers or companies can play a role in that mm-hmm. uh, journey towards empowerment and prepare for it and really understand the implications. And then this data is already global, so I think there is a lot of opportunity to sort of compare the mm. U.S. data with other markets and understand um, cultural, you know, factors and how that play into empowerment overall. So, for example, just as a point of reference in China, nearly six in ten of their customers are already progressive pioneers. Wow. So, you know, we know that progressive pioneers in the U.S. are already growing leaps and bounds over other groups. So is that, you know, will the U.S. population one day look like China? <laughs> you know, That's or, interesting. You know, is, yeah. is, that, is that representative of the future state of the U.S. customer base? So, or is that a cultural difference, right? Exactly, yeah. right. Huh. And so that, That's interesting. Yeah, so I'd love to dig into that. Great. Great. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us today and talking about this research. For those of you who are interested about learning more, we will provide a link to one of Anjali's reports on this topic. She's lots of reports, but a good one to start with is the rise of the empowered customer. And then you were just mentioning we have global data on the segmentation, so we can mm-hmm. cut it in a lot of different ways if, if folks are interested in that. Yeah. Um, so thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's CXCast. We'll post links to the reports we mentioned in this episode in the podcast show notes. For questions or suggestions, please contact me at d-l-a-u-f-e-r at forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perception is your CX reality.